Hello, and welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hi. How you doing this morning? Doing all right. It's not morning. It's afternoon, but the listeners well, don't know that. You know, same thing. We have a lot to talk about because I'm not even I'm not even sure where to begin. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, why don't we start by introducing Revolutionary Girl Utena as a concept? This is a show about a girl with pink hair who wants to be a prince, and she stumbles onto a student council competition thing. And then her life got tip-turned upside down. And, well, this is the series. And this podcast generally, is going... Generally, when I try to explain your evolutionary girl, Yutena, I usually go for, imagine if you had a fever dream and also were high. And you, like, had a dream about, like, swords. Like, ungodly amounts of swords. And also people with pink hair. Like, there's really, like, it is, it is, it is beyond trippy. Yeah, th- for this podcast, we are going to be doing an episode-by-episode episode recap and analysis of the entire series, all three arcs of it. And we're starting here with episode one, The Rose Bride, which is the first episode in the student council arc of the show. There's, um, as a sort of basic recap to, to kind of refresh you, assume we're, I, I think it's probably safe to assume that if you're listening to this, you've already watched the first episode. But you, maybe you haven't. Maybe this is your first time watching it, or maybe you've never seen Utsuna at all, and you're just a friend of mine who's listening to this because you like me. In which case, thank you. So, to give you a little background, the basic surface level here is we have Utsuna. Now, we have, like, the opening is, is we have a fairy tale opening, we have a regular school, everything is pretty normal, and then everything kind of implodes. Reality gets weird really fast. I think what I really wanted to talk about most with this, beyond just the sort of like, you know, plot stuff that happens here, is really how lots of anime have tried to to sort of borrow motifs and things from Western fairy tale. And some are more successful than others, but this one episode probably does the best I've ever seen anime do to really, really encapsulate what makes fairy tale, fairy story work. And it kind of starts with that intro. All right, so you want to start the episode? I think so. All right, let's go. And I love this opening because the very first image you get is just Utena and Anthe swirling around each other. Very gay. You just let you know what you're in for. It, I mean, it, it is pretty. It, it is pretty explicitly so. That's actually a difference between the anime and the manga. Oh, have you read the manga? I've read a little bit of it. As I read more, I might be able to comment more. They are vastly different. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I have not read the manga at all. Jessica, my girlfriend, has read some of the manga. And when she was a lot younger, she read some of the manga and she saw the movie. But she never saw any of the series until a couple of years ago when we watched it all together. Yes, listeners, my girlfriend and I watched Utena together as an activity. There's a lot to unpack in like literally the first five minutes of this. I mean, even in, before you even leave the intro... I because, wish this like, horses thing came back, but it's never in the show. No. Oh, no. That's never going to happen again. <laughs> it makes me so upset. Several things are never going to happen again. But, you know, it's. I've always thought it was interesting that... It, do you want to well, pause the episode real quick so you can make your point? Because they're about to do the opening about 
how she meets the prince. Yeah, actually. I wanted to make the point that if, if, you, if you're watching this, you're always getting a lot of, like, crazy symbolism stuff with intros. But if you pay attention to how they portray Utsuna herself, they never, or like, they never settle on one thing. Like, she has a, obviously, like, the, the, whole, the masculine uniform on, male uniform on. But it never, like, but they never really play that up. Like, there's lots of, like, rose imagery and flowers. And, like, it just, it can't decide whether to be one thing or another. The voice of that was kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I love Dios, and I love his short hair, and I love his outfit. And I just now noticed that the little parts of his outfit are reflected later when Utena gets her little fancy dueling outfit. Yeah, they really are. They really are, actually. I hadn't really thought about that at length. But, they, but it is pretty similar. I wish that she wore this prince outfit, but that's just for the opening. Now, of course, it's really obvious that the whole like fairy tale thing going on there—prince and princess, damsel in distress kind of thing. Well, that's kind of that's really standard motif. I that's like where most anime will stop. But when we get to it, I'll talk at length about when it starts going from surface to borderline amazing. I would just like to say that I love Wakaba, and I love I love the ambiguity in the beginning where she's like, I'm waiting for my boyfriend, because she's talking about Utena, but she says <laughs> boyfriend. I think that, honestly, as much as I love Utena and Anthe, I think that Utena and Wakaba make a better couple just because they seem to have better chemistry and there's less weirdness when it comes to, like... Anthe is a weird character, and I feel like we'll get to talk about that more later, but, like, oh, yeah. there's obviously some ambiguity when it comes to, like, whether or not she actually enjoys what's going on or whether or not she actually loves Utena, but, oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's, also, there's also a wholesomeness to their interactions and to just the, the way that they are together. Mm-hmm. It's like, they're just, they're, it's natural. They're, they're, they're friends and like they get along. There's no like, they just have such good chemistry. Yeah. It doesn't feel, there's no coercion. It doesn't have any shadow over it. I mean, the closest that gets is that Utena has her whole like being a prince thing. But even then, it just seemed like, well, Kama seems to just accept that as, you know, Ooh, it's this just is, this weird thing that she does. We're coming up on my favorite scene in this episode where the teacher flips out which is about when i couldn't stand the dub anymore because it was so bad oh it's so funny especially it's this scene is so funny to me like on multiple levels one because the dub is hilarious two because she says you're wearing a boy's uniform and Utena says it looks it like it works okay for the boys but like the boys are not wearing this uniform <laughs> the boys are not wearing this uniform at all their uniform is much different and she's wearing her own little uniform with her own little short shorts that i love i had to, i did wonder about that I, I, my go-to explanation was that you know some schools have like a spring and a uh, winter uniform and she just like mixed matched no i um, just think that she just made her own uniform and for some reason this is accepted in anime world like how Mako in Sailor Moon wears her own uniform because she's yeah, too she's too tall for the other regular school uniforms. I love how all the girls freak out over Utena. So cute. Miss Utena, you can use my towel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love them. I love how Utena is kind of like a like the popular girl, which is so interesting because she would not be the popular girl if this were like an American show. I like the fact that they have this the, the scene with what's it the Tinjo. No, Tinjo no, is her. Not Tinjo. Um, what's his name? I don't know who this guy's name, but the the basketball guy. Where Oh, he doesn't have It's a interesting name. to yeah, it's interesting to me that she never real like not she never really addresses any kind of or acknowledges any sort of at least at this point 
any conflict between readily like being very much I'm a I'm a girl and I want to be a prince. Like she never she doesn't deal with it mostly just because she doesn't acknowledge it as a problem. Yeah, I like that as well. And here we are. And here we meet second worst character. Not Anthe. Anthe is wonderful and didn't deserve this. But green hair. How did I forget his name already? Seonji, I think. He's the worst. Actually, he's not the worst. I have a ranking of worst in the show, and he's probably... He's tied for second or third. I mean, at this point, he's pretty shockingly terrible. You haven't watched the third arc of the show, have you? Um, you haven't gotten Not that. yet. Okay, well, that that has the worst. Oh, Wakaba and Utena are so cute. I love when Wakaba jumps on her back. That's my favorite. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was talking about. They're just, they're just wholesome. They're just... They're just make you smile whereas it's and it's markedly different between them and how they act and how like this whole other world of people acts yeah it's just insanely different to, uh, even to the point like did you notice Wakaba doesn't even seem to really well, partially because she didn't see her get slapped but like she doesn't really seem to to notice in the same way and some of that's explainable easily by the situation but and i'll talk about this later but this also kind of goes back to the fact that this is a fairy tale and you know at some point in the fairy tale you cross over and you're no longer in our world when that slap happens that is kind of the point where she starts to look away and then we get this weird scene with twirling roses and, and taking notes the student council never makes any sense even to the end like once you find out what all's going on you still don't really know what's going on at least i didn't maybe oh, on, no, it's, it, maybe on the second it, watch i'll have it figured out it's gonna completely elude you yeah i mean it's, it's just kind of nonsense but uh, that's also kind of the point it's so far removed it's so divorced from what we think of as real life because it's a, basically a different world She's so tiny next to him. Everybody yeah, in the show is so long. You can really tell it's, it's early 90s anime. Like, that's 90s anime. Like, it, it's 90 anime, 90s anime pretty hard. Everyone has really, really, really long legs. And long hair. And, and tall for, faces. Everybody's got either really long hair or really short hair, except for Jury, who gets to have medium hair. Jury's the orange one. It's just, I don't know, like, uh, the over-the-top 90s anime-ishness of their, um, their whole design just makes me chuckle. I love the random French. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of fits. Oh, yeah. The, no, absolutely. It totally is, fits. There's actually, um, there actually a musical stage production based on Utena. Oh, I'm not even surprised. Oh, I didn't even mention my favorite line from the uh, beginning of the episode. Or not the beginning, but from the scene where she's near the Rose Garden. Utena goes, why does the smell of roses always remind me of the past? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's... It does. It's like a line straight out of an old medieval romance. I love Wakaba being the princess of the Onion Kingdom. She is the oh, onion. Yes. She is the Onion Princess to me, and that is forever. And I love her so much. I love Wakaba so much. Oh, and here and we this go. This scene breaks my heart because I love her so much. And like Seonji is such garbage, and he does not deserve to be the object of affection of someone so amazing as Wakaba. It is kind of weird to reconcile those two and then she aggressively tears it down and yeah. you know it, it, over and over again utena is kind of is naive and yet closer to what should be on oh, and then she runs away that's just sad yeah wakaba is just precious and i don't understand why she loves seonji so much 
because he's terrible. What really strikes me is that Seonji and them like are closer to the looking and the attitude of quote unquote a prince, and yet time and time again, Yutena is kind of like is having to fight her way into an identity and still manages to capture the essence of it better, which is kind of a I think a recurring thing. I find it interesting that she just decides she wants to be a prince because like a prince is not something that you become it's something that you're born i don't know you would think like what she's doing is sort of closer to being like a knight than it would be being a prince yeah it's like the duel she just like pulls the random sword like i mean yeah it it is kind of straight out of a storybook kind of knightly behavior even to the bravado of just accepting that she's gonna go to a scary place and duel you in the forest yeah utin is just sort of along for the ride and she's willing to accept oh oh i love the i love the did you know did you know have you heard girls they're the best i did a little bit of research and this is actually take this is actually an homage to um there's a lot of homages to early Japanese, like medieval Japanese sort of like theater. And one of them was Shadow Puppets. Yes, I knew about that. And I was hoping that you would read about that as well. They're my and favorite. So it, I think it's just really cool. Like, uh, And then we have here, and this is what I'm talking about. More Celtic myths, you have the whole going into the other world, Elfland, or you have... Listeners, you know, Utena has just approached a giant bird statue and a droplet of water is coming out and touching her ring and that is going to allow her to open this big door that will lead to a big floating upside down castle in the sky. Right now water is flooding the room that she is in and yet she does not seem to be worried about drowning at all. Not at all. This is the liminal boundary. This is where, I mean, this is straight, I like, this is straight out of Tolkien's All Fairy Stories. This is where our world meets the world of fairy. And immediately, everything is weird. Like, I mean, nothing here makes sense. Why would a school have a crazy shrine with roses in it? Like, why did she react in a more startled way? Like, why do we have a staircase that doesn't make any physical sense? It doesn't even look like a staircase. It looks like a slide. Yeah, and it's because we're not in our world anymore at this point. Lieutenant has left for all functional, all functional, for all functional purposes. She has left our world. This is when she crosses over in, in a sort of mythic way into what I would call fairy, for lack of a better term, where nothing makes sense. There are rules, and the song references that there are rules to the dueling place, but she doesn't know them. And that's kind of that's a really, really, really old motif. It goes back a long way. There are rules in Fairyland, but you don't necessarily know them because you're not a native. Utena just sort of stumbles through a lot of this stuff, and she's much more accepting than one would expect to be of a lot of this insanity. Yeah, she, um, that is sort of weird. I'm not sure if it's just, like, a misstep or if uh, there's something else there. But I would like to know, just for the record, that the song that's playing in the background that's really ominous has some crazy lyrics that include a reference to the darkness of Sodom. So I saw that, that, and that was kind of weird to me. Like, the the lyrics are just bleak. How can a castle float in midair? I don't know, Utena. You should probably ask um, Miyazaki. This is the first time that Utena asks any questions, and also, uh, I don't know, like, she asks a few questions, but she doesn't ask a lot of them past this episode. Like, she's 
after this episode, she sort of accepts a lot of what's going on without question. I think that a lot of that speaks to the fact that Yutena is kind of naive. Oh, she's incredibly naive. And she's really just focused on, this guy sucks, and he did a terrible thing to my friend. And, and now she focuses about the switch a bit. What's really funny is in the dub, you probably, since you haven't listened to a lot of the dub, you wouldn't know this, but they pronounce Anthe's last name three different ways over the course of the show. <laughs> They, the, there are three different ways. It's Himamiya, Himamaya, and Himemia. And I think yeah. Himemia yeah. is the correct one, and that's the one that I usually use. But yeah, they start with uh, Himamiya, and then at one point they say Himamaya, but they settle on Himemia. I love, like, it's, it's really endearing how furious she is, that, and she just calls Sanji, like, master. And it just really drives home the people see her as an object that she is not really a person to any of these student council kind of people at this point. Yeah, like, Anthe is tragic. They don't see her as a person. And, I, like, I don't want to ever be the person that implies that it's her fault, but part of wh what contributes to them not seeing her as a person is part of her thing is that she ends up being whatever they want her to be, and w they realize that what they thought that they wanted isn't what they really wanted, and getting what you want all the time ends up, like, being bad. And that's part of why they the people who end up having the Rose Bride end up getting really frustrated with her is because she doesn't really seem to have any of her own agency. She's just sort and, of and she really whatever doesn't. anyone else wants her to. She really doesn't. I mean, part of the tragedy here is that you notice that she is absolutely docile, if that's what they want. I love the sword fights in this show, honestly. Oh, they're Some of the best animation in the show goes into the sword fights. And this is, of course, where I have to say that though I first heard about this show because of Steven Universe and the fact that Pearl's sword fighting was uh, was a direct homage to this show. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rebecca Sugar is a huge fan of Revolutionary Girl Utsuna, to my understanding. And if she ever wanted to come on a podcast about Revolutionary Girl <laughs> Utsuna and she ever wanted to talk to anybody who is a fan of her show and of Revolutionary Girl Utsuna, we got you, girl. <laughs> but you know anyway does it bother anyone else that he talks like as if you know he's just gonna cut it off the rose off but like i mean this guy was totally okay with fighting with a real sword against a bamboo stick yeah. one wonders what he's really expecting to happen if he like kills her on accident seonji is a jerk and does not care that he is technically cheating even though she wins and it's really not explained i don't care I always thought it was interesting that, that, like, they're really good about showing the sword fighting until this one point. I'm not sure if that means anything, but it was just interesting to me. It's the strength of her badassitude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do kind of get that feeling that it's, it's just by pure strength of heart. And then oh. Senpai, he's just devastated. Yeah, I was about to mention, she calls him Senpai, which is really funny because in the English dub, she just says, Seonji, classmate. And it does not translate at all. And then you have that weird time skip. You wonder, like, what happened between these? Like, did she just, like, leave? Yeah. Like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> she just wandered off into the weird, bizarro fantasy world. Yeah, now they're gonna go to their yes. room together. Or rather, like, no, that's that starts in the next episode. 
yeah. just cuts off to be continued here. So yeah, thoughts on the first episode. One of the things that Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant does really well is give you a big difference between this sort of, like, it, it provides a really great content, contrast between our world standard school kind of story and this entirely other world and somehow makes both of those work together. It, 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 and, and I keep going back to the fairy tale because I think it's really important to understanding and kind of really appreciating um, Utena as as a, as a narrative because it's very much taking that those tropes and it is running with them as far as it can right off the edge of a cliff it has to. Yeah, I I love this show. I love all the visuals and I love like I love that it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense and it just expects you to just sort of go with it when stuff happens. Why is there a castle floating upside down? I don't know. Aesthetic. It's in 3D yeah, for, like, for some reason. It's almost as if it's 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 kind of a dream. It is a lot like a dream. And that is especially, I'm sure you haven't seen the movie, but the movie is, if you think the show is crazy, the movie is even crazier. And like, even the way she, even the way she accepts it is kind of dreamlike. And that's also another thing I like, and that that it fits into the way that you see a lot of times when there is a story about a transition into, over a liminal boundary into the other world, into whatever. You do have that sort of uh, dreamlike reaction, like, oh, everything's weird here, and I just accept it because I don't understand anything. Yeah. Utena's a stranger in a strange land. I always thought it was interesting how we have, like, Utena's um, initial motivation evaporates like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, she's just mad because Seonji was a jerk, but then she sort of, like, and we're sort of stepping into, like, episode two but like she decides that she doesn't want to do it anymore because like she doesn't she she's uncomfortable with owning Anthe basically so she's like well I'll just lose and then get out of this but then she realizes that like Anthe is going to go to somebody else so it basically just sort of becomes about keeping Anthe from falling into the hands of people who are going to hurt her but then we just get random episodes that make no sense like there's an episode later where a character uh, gets turned into a cow I don't know if you've seen that episode but yeah it's a doozy character where uh an episode where it is implied that a character laid an egg and then what happens with the egg at the end of the episode is even stranger i mean she's kind of she's kind of brought that other world with her home you know like now it's with her she can't escape it weird stuff just happens yeah, she's in it now. Like, it's kind of the, it's the, the danger of bringing home fairy gold is that fairy with an A-E-I-R-I-E, not with a Y, tends to follow you when, when you do that. You don't get to escape. Like, what you when you when you take something from that, you know, it, it follows you and it, it has its clutches on you. And as long as she, as, as, she, as much as on the surface personal level, she doesn't want Angie to fall into the hands of, like, you know, really sucky and terrible people. But she, all, like, I kind of get the sense that for all of her complaining, she doesn't necessarily want to lose her in into this world. This is new. In a way, it's, it's exactly what she's always wanted because she's always always wanted you know she wants to be a prince she wants to do this nightly stuff she wants to live this particular kind of i don't want to say fantasy because it demeans it but a sort of like she wants to be a certain thing and suddenly by stepping into this world she basically does exactly the way that she imagined it yeah i mean you definitely have a point there i had never sort of considered that because it always just sort of seemed to me that she was well i was actually gonna say she's sort of like bilbo baggins but i guess that you're 
description of her makes more sense in that comparison too because doesn't Bilbo does sort of end up having a good time even though everybody dies. Yeah, like there there are some similarities there because they're both sort of dragged into an adventure against their will. I think there's sort of a as you keep watching, especially in these early episodes, it's kind of the question is how much do you believe her? Does Duff the Lady protest too much? It's obvious she's really uncomfortable. She will be later uncomfortable with certain parts of this arrangement, like lots of the parts. Yeah. But when she's actually in the thick of things, when she's fighting Seonji, when she's fighting other people, when she has a sword in her hand, she doesn't seem nearly as conflicted about this whole thing. Yeah. She does like to be the hero, and this sort of gives her the perfect opportunity to be the hero every time. And it's even this early, and it, I think this it becomes much more serious later on. A question of, you know, how genuine and how authentic is this? But even as early as the first episode, there's a little voice in the back of my head that says, you know, how authentic is she being? Like, is she being true, truthful to herself here? Because she's already kind of set up where it is kind of convenient that her way of dealing with this problem problem so happens to line up perfectly with you know her her sort of dream to be a prince yeah it lines up kind of eerily perfectly fighting a duel behind school and it's it's not to say that you know she's being disingenuous more that she kind of gets caught up in things oh absolutely and that will be if, if there's anything that will remain constant throughout Utena is she's gonna that's gonna keep happening Utena can be kind of impulsive and I think that she doesn't really realize how impulsive she's being sometimes oh definitely not she just she never stops to think about much of, much of it at all really she just plows straight ahead Utena's kind of a Hamilton and Anthony's kind of a burr yeah. I just alienated half of our audience with that joke. Yeah, kinda. I mean, on both counts, actually. Yeah. I gotta see it. But yeah, all in all, I love that episode. I've seen it probably 15 times. I watched it twice today, and I feel like it's a good start to the show. If there's any last word I have on the opening episode, is that it does what exactly what an opening episode should do, which is be kind of a microcosm for the rest of the series. Not in a formulaic way, but in everything that's going to be important in the next however many episodes that you get should kind of be present from the beginning. Maybe not overtly, but you should be able to look back and say, ah, I see that now. And you can 100% do that in this first episode because it is thick with not just not just subtle, really kind of subtle, more subtle symbolism, but with really just character development and rapid fire manner. I agree. I feel like this gives us, it's uh, just sort of the perfect introduction to each of these characters because like it's sort of like their first interactions and their first actions throughout the episode give you a really good sense of who they are overall. Like, the very first thing that Seonji does is hit Anthe. That's the first thing we see him do. That shows you he's an asshole that you're not supposed to like. And the first thing that Wakaba does is freak out over Utena. She's gonna do that a lot over the course of the show. We get these little character introductions that serve as, like, kind of like you said, microcosms of each character for, like, how they're gonna be for the rest of the show. Or at least the rest of this arc, they do progress. Yeah, it's not like it doesn't change. It's really just sort of a, a good anime after the first episode. You should be able to come away with a very good idea of what you're getting in for. Or at least a good idea of, of what you're getting, sort of what you could be getting in for. I'm looking at you, Madoka. But <laughs> yeah. you have a good idea of something. Like you have something in your head when you think of this, the title of 
character, theme, plot, something. And this is perfect. It really is perfect. It comes across as basically being encapsulated by itself, a tiny little fairy tale. And that's great because the rest of this is going to be completely not standalone. And it's going to get, they're going to, we're going to go weird places. Yep. All right. Well, I think that about sums it up for episode one. I feel like this was a good start. How do you feel, Josh? I think it was a good start. All right. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter is at mpandanata. You can tweet me about the show or tweet me about anything. All right. And Josh, do you have anything you want to plug? You can follow me on Twitter at, um, if you look up Weird Radio Sign, that's C-Y-N-E. I don't use Twitter as much, but if you, t- if you follow me and tweet, I will probably tweet at you. Do you have a blog that you might want people to follow that you might be more active on or give something else you might want to promote that you do no but i think i might by the next time all right then i guess we're done here signing off good luck revolutionize the world (laughs) 